Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The Volume. The Three and Out Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Great odds, markets for the NBA, the NHL, college basketball, obviously the PGA Tour, Number one sportsbook, easy to use, safe and secure. Get your winnings fast. That's a key in under two hours. How do you beat that? It's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game. Make it a little parlay. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, the Golo Podcast, PGA Tour, reacting to the players, getting ready for the Valspar. We have match play next, next week, Austin Country Club. Then in a couple weeks, after Jim Nance gives his tie to the most valuable player in the Final Four, we're going to Augusta, baby. The Masters, Mickelson, will he return? Who knows? But a uh, lot going on. Obviously, reacting to the players. I have a couple takes there. Uh, yeah, I, I was wrong on John Rahm. We'll talk about that. And and I thought the coolest thing we saw all weekend, uh, beside you know the final round, was just Justin Thomas's performance on Saturday. And, and have a couple thoughts there. At Go Low Pod. At Go Low Pod is where I'm at on Instagram. Fire into those direct messages and get your question answered here on the show. Any questions you have pertaining to golf or life, Golopod is the Instagram. Fire in those direct messages. Jason Sobel, covered golf forever, does betting stuff now, joins us every week. Uh, Talked to him earlier today. Some picks on the Valspar. I'll be honest, as a guy that's a diehard gambler for, uh, for the PGA Tour, I mean, I've gambled now basically every main event for the past two years. I don't have much of a feel for this thing. Talk a little bit about with Sobol just because the players, you know, the carryover into Monday, it's really throwing me off. Uh, I'm probably going to throw a little money on Gary Woodland. That's who Sobol likes. And we'll talk about some other guys that he likes as well. But I, I don't have a great feel for this week's gambling when it comes to the Valspar. Uh, I told you about the Instagram as well as subscribe to the podcast. And, uh, and yeah, let's start with the players. Listen, there's not much you can do when you get those those conditions. You know, it was out of everyone's hands. It's it's called Mother Nature. So, you know, some people were complaining. I saw some players complaining about the people complaining. Listen, it's what are you going to do? Is it an ideal situation? Of course not. Did they do the best they could with the hand they were dealt? They did. You know, typically, you know, I've never lived in Florida, but I've watching sports long enough to know you get some weird weather conditions at random times in some of these tropic communities, right? And they got hit with a rainstorm that, honestly, it was miraculous how good the people are on the grounds to get the water off. Because by Monday, after day after day of raining, like where I come from in California, if it rained that hard, do you know how soggy and muddy the grass? It's remarkable what they were able to pull off, to be honest with you. And we got to tip our hat to the winner because he's got a mullet. He's got a sweet accent, but holy shit, can that guy play? And listen, I I would say the top guys, the Hovlins, the Morikawas, the DJs, the Kepkas, the Brysons, these guys now, obviously Morikawa doesn't hit it as far as those guys. These guys are all so pure and are just such unreal ball strikers. But what really separates, like what's Victor Hovland's problem? He can't chip. What was Morikawa's problem when he first got to the tour? He could not putt. You you watch Will Zalatoris, skinny Will, Tony Romo's buddy. 
You, you have anxiety watching him just line up a putt. What separated the best player of my lifetime? He's the greatest putter we'd ever seen, especially clutch putter. But an underrated part about Tiger Woods, he wasn't quite Phil with his chipping in a short game, but he was damn close. If Phil has the greatest short game of the last 25 years, Tiger's second. So to win big on the PGA Tour, you could separate yourself. That's the reason guys like Kevin Kisner or Ricky Fowler forever are able to compete at a high level because they can really putt. They can get up and down around the greens. Yeah, they can't hit it like DJ or you know shape the ball like Bubba Watson, 340 yards, but they can get up and down wherever. As someone who's you know aspires to be a scratch golfer, my chipping is easily my weakness. Now, I got a buddy that gave me, Scotty Raber gave me a little tip and I've loosened up the shoulders. But anyone listening to this who's not like some former college golfer, most of our short games suck. And every player worth their salt tells you spend less time hitting drivers and five irons on the range and go to the practice green and chip. Hell, just go out to a course if you have access and drop some balls within 30, 40 yards of the green and just play around with some shots. Because you watch Cam Smith... No matter where he is in a 50-yard radius around the green, if you if you could gamble on it, you'd go, he's going to get up and down. He's a lock to get up and down. He just won the Players' Championship. He had four pars on Sunday. Let me repeat, four pars on Sunday. He had 10 putts on the back nine. His putting is incredible. So the reason he's going to be a factor, obviously he strikes the ball well, but his short game is elite. And when your short game is that good, it's going to translate to big golf tournaments, right? To me, he's going to be a factor consistently in the majors. Obviously, a couple years ago when the Masters was in the fall, he played with DJ in that final threesome when they had that weather stuff, right? But this guy, what an incredible thing to watch. And we've all been watching him now for a while because he's been in the mix, it feels like, for about over 12 months. But what a joy to watch that guy around the green. We, we all should aspire to be that good with a wedge in our hand. Have that, you know, consistent of hands with a sand wedge or a lob wedge. Because I'll tell you this, I never think I'm getting up and down. I'm like a four handicap. I think, I'd, you know, when I get up and down, it's a win. <laughs> he, he thinks anything less than an up and down is a disaster. Speaking of short games, I'm rooting for this guy. I, I like watching greatness. I, I say it all the time. I, I do not watch pro sports for overachievers. When I worked in the NFL, I got bored watching practice squad guys. I like watching Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. I, I, I like watching Clayton Kershaw in his prime, Garrett Cole. I like watching Steph Curry play Giannis. I like watching Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. I don't like watching, I'm a golf junkie, so I can watch middle of the road players, but I would rather watch Cam Smith go at it with Victor Hovland than a couple randos. And I, in ratings would show, so do you. I want John Rahm to become an all-time great. And physically, when he's on, he looks pretty special. And I told you, I thought the, the switch would flip and he was going to win this tournament. Now, you could argue throw this tournament a little bit of a way because of the weather, but he was right in the mix going into the equivalent of Saturday and Sunday. And I watched a lot of John Rahm in his third round. His putting right now is atrocious. When we talk about Cam Smith having an elite short game, I don't give a shit how straight you're hitting it off the tee. Now, obviously, he plays a little cut. How good your irons are, and they were a little off this weekend. But you, your short game has to be better. And I, you know, basically prefaced, like, I believe that it's going to turn around. Well, right now, it doesn't even look close. So if he does not figure that out, and listen, all it takes is they say one week, you know, momentum is the next day starting pitcher. He just gets it rolling. He could win Augusta. I, to me, he doesn't even look. He looks like he's angry. And listen, he can be edgy. And it looked like he turned the corner last year, and now he's edgy again. He's swearing all the time. I think, you know, and Sobel and me talk a little bit about this a little later. Two guys that can kind of play fired up and angry on the PGA Tour, and I agree with this, are Justin Thomas and John Rahm. Like, they run a little bit hotter. I think JT is better at containing his emotions when he's putting. When I watch John Rahm putt, it, it looks a little stabby to me. It looks a little aggressive. It looks like he's pissed off. It looks like he wants to just drop an F-bomb. Like Terrell Hatton, who is an angry, drops a bunch of F-bombs, can play under control. It feels like Rom teeters right on the edge of that. And when he falls off, you go, God, this, this is not going to be his day. And I knew early on, on his third round, I'm like, I don't feel great about this. 
and he's off right now when it comes to a short game. He is not going to win the big-time tournaments if he doesn't figure that out. It was better last year. Right now, it's it's not even close when you consider. Now, you could argue all the time. Like, Victor Hovland, if he would have finished solo second, would have been the number one player in the world. He literally can't chip. He cannot chip. You know, for PGA Tour standards, for me and you, he'd be the best chipper we'd ever seen. But for their standards, he's terrible. Yet he's that good. It's why I have a future bet right now on Victor Hovland to win the Masters. He's already played it twice. He was the low am and the year Tiger won it. And then last year, he finished 21st. So I, I think Victor Hovland, if he can just chip. Now, Augusta is a place where you need to chip and putt. That's why I'm kind of out on Rom. But I, I think Victor is just playing. He's playing better than John Rom. I mean, I think Victor Hovland right now, I know Cam Smith just outplayed him, but just over the body work, best player in the world. Like currently playing that way, Victor Hovland. To me, he is just no player at any moment can just rattle off like seven birdies in 10 holes. And you're like, this guy was just in 40th place, and now he's in third, Victor Hovland. Even Morikawa, when Morikawa was coming, you know, he had a moment at Riv where he did a similar thing. But for the most part, it's like he's playing at a high level, playing at a high level, playing at a high level. Victor can be a little out of sight, out of mind. Then all of a sudden on Saturday, like, oh my God, Victor Hovland just shot 60, 61st, or he shot 61, and now he went from 61st to now being in the second to last group come Sunday. Like, that's Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland goes into a, the last round where he's like, yeah, Victor Hovland, you know, he's 30th. Then all of a sudden, he's two behind the leaders with three holes left. He just has this deep down ability to throw darts and put up red numbers quicker than you can blink. And the other guy that I grew up playing golf in the 90s. And when I grew up, the best players. And, you know, Tiger growing up in California was a mythical figure. When in the mid-90s, my dad, you know, I, I don't know if kids still do this, but when I was a kid, I got sent to camps, right? I went to UC Davis basketball camp, UC Davis ba- baseball camp, Dusty Baker baseball camp. I went to a lot of sports camps. You know, you, you, your parents need something to do with kids. They, they just send you to a camp for five days. And you you spend the night, some of them, you just stay. It's cool. I don't even know. I don't have kids. I don't know if they still exist. Hope they did because they were really fun. Well, I got into golf, you know, 10, 11, 12. My dad sent me to Stanford Golf Camp. Now, Nota Begay, Casey Martin, Tiger, I mean, they were they won the national championship, and Tiger won the individual national championship. Nota Begay and Casey Martin were kind of around. I think Casey was a camp counselor. Not necessarily at the camp I went to, but like the previous week, Tiger just disappeared in the summer, played tournaments all over the world, right? This is when he was in college. But the best players, and they were the premium, they were like Alabama football at golf. We're all playing Mizuno irons, right? I think they were the MP22s. I went to high school with, well, he was older than me. I was in eighth grade when he was a senior, but Nick Watney. Every player worth their salt was playing MP22s, blades. And when you watch, you know, videos from the the guys before I was born, right? The Trevinos, the Jacks, the Arnolds, the Gary players, moving the ball was a huge part of golf hitting massive cuts, draws, high, low. It's why Tiger, while being the greatest golfer of all time, is arguably the greatest artist of all time. And Phil is very similar to that too because they grew up in an era where you really work the ball. And listen, I have the tailor-made 790s. They're definitely not blades, but they're these, they, they just, they actually go relatively straight. And I'm a cutter of the golf ball. But the technology now I mean, most guys on tour either play a slight draw or a slight fade, but they are not working the ball like it used to be in the 90s and before, right? Because the the clubs, the technology, the game has changed. And it's why when you put them in some of these situations where the wind goes crazy, as it did at a really, you know, I mean, it was insane at the Players' Championship, right? On Saturday, the wind was humming. You could not control the golf ball. Because most of these guys are used to not having to flight it up and down. They just hit the same shot over and over and over again. And if you're really good, most of these courses, it doesn't matter. And you're able to rack up millions of dollars. Well, Justin Thomas, while being a new age guy and benefiting from technology, right? He's 5'9", and he hits it 340 yards, right? If he was playing in the 90s, he would not be one of the longer guys on tour. But because of technology and launch angles and all that stuff, he's really perfected it. But I think his performance on Saturday, shooting, I think he shot three under par. Bubba shot four in wind conditions where 
Speed shot 79, Kepka shot 81. I'm talking the best players in the world. Justin Rose shot 78. Guy shooting high, guy shooting normal human being numbers out there. And his shot under par and did not have a bogey. It's the most impressive round I've seen in a year. Because he was working the ball left, he was working the ball right, he was flighting the ball high, he was flighting the ball low. He was doing it all. And Bubba too. Because both those guys are true artists. Both those guys would thrive in any era. I don't know if you could say that for every player. Now, would they? Would Dustin Johnson been good in the 70s? Yeah. But does he benefit a lot from technology? I think he does. Right? Bryson DeChambeau, Kepka, some of these guys. It's not taking away that they can't hit different shots, but there is a different level with Justin Thomas. I think Justin Thomas, and I said this, I think the first go low pot I ever did. The moment he got bones on the bag, I think that was a personal game changer for him. Because that put him in a position where he can run a little hot too, like John Rom, but his talent is immense. He can do it all. There is no excuse for Justin Thomas's career to end and not have like five or six majors. He should be like a Lee Trevino of his era. And when you see moments like that happens on Saturday, you go, it's possible. And he's still so young. To me, no player who, like, like Kepkin's already won a couple majors, right? So is Spee, so is Roy. This guy's ceiling is probably high. Now, obviously, Hovland and Morikawa, because they're still young. But I think JT has a chance to, with Bones, they're, they're just going to go to a different level. And he sniffed it so far this year. I, you know, he finished three under for the players. But when you looked at his scorecard, he tripled hole 17 on, on Monday. So he easily could have finished top 10 if he birdies that hole instead of triples it, I would imagine I didn't see the video. He was going at the pin and probably hit it in the water. Cause you know why he's so rich. He didn't give a shit. He ain't playing for the money. He's playing for the birdies and to finish higher. That's all he cares about, right? Paul Casey at the end of that round on Monday was playing for the big paycheck as he should. When you know, you can't win it. But most of these guys, if you know, you're not even in the top five, like, and you have an, Justin Thomas or DJ or whatever. You're just, I mean, DJ shot the quietest 63 you'll ever see on Monday. DJ went from making 50,000. If DJ would have shot even par on Sunday, he would have made $50,000 for the week. Instead, he shot 63 and made 525 grand. It was the best score of that day by three shots. He made himself in 18 holes. Now, again, this doesn't really mean that much to him, but $475,000, because I would guess he was shooting and firing at every single pin. And DJ, when he's on, like I said, with this technology, can beat anybody on any given day and can win any tournament. But to me, JT, his ability to do it all is, it was special to watch. It was impressive. As someone who still appreciates people that can do it all, it's why you know I grew up on Tiger and Phil, Uh, People that truly could work the ball. And my favorite old-time player is Lee Trevino as someone that plays a cut. And I just love, he's a kind of a bullshitter and a big talker and a storyteller. I just love everything about Lee Trevino. He's my type guy. I would love to hang out with him. Uh, I I appreciate guys that can can do it all. And, And truly under pressure, right? Most of us, like any guy on tour can hit a draw if you tell him to hit a draw. But like on hole 17 with a one shot behind the leader, can you pull it off? Guys like Justin Thomas can. And it's it's going to be fun to watch him the next couple years with Bones. Like, I'll be a little shocked if he doesn't rattle off a couple majors. And he hasn't played that well in majors lately. So he's got to step it up. And he's admitted it. Like, he's underachieved. And it pisses him off. I, I actually I have my future bet on Victor Hovland. I, I was looking. You can get JT right now, FanDuel, like 15 to 1. I might, I might put a couple C-notes on that bad boy. Because I, I think he's going to be a factor here in, in a couple weeks at Augusta. Step up to the tee and take a swing at betting the PGA Tour or FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can place their first PGA Tour bet and get $150 instant bonus guaranteed. That's right. You'll get $150 in bonus site credit, and all you have to do is place your first bet of $5 or more. If you have been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better place to get in the action. I'm telling you right now, this weekend, if you're listening, the Valspar, bet on Harold Varner III to win. If it's the following week, 
I might hammer John Rahm in the match play. Make a PGA Tour bet. Free $5, you know, your $5. Get a free $150. It's hard to beat. So go low this summer and bet the PGA Tour. Join FanDuel today with the promo code Colin. Then you have to place your $5 bet to score $150 in bonus site credit. Guaranteed. FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. 21 and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund, $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Okay, back again with gambling and golf extraordinaire, Jason Sobel. You can hear him every week, 2 to 4 Eastern, a little serious golf channel. Uh, Well, I, I don't know if you could have yesterday because the players took 17 days to finish. But we have officially finished, and we're on to the Valspar. Well, you and I had Rom and, and Morikawa and talked about other names like Hovland. While he's not, I, you know, maybe from a name recognition quite yet on that level, I mean, he's now officially a top 10 player. I mean, Cam Smith, it's safe to say just moving forward, maybe not to win some of these majors, but I think he's going to be a pretty popular play to top five and top 10, wouldn't you say, moving forward? Yeah, certainly. Uh, Cam Smith is a guy that... If we learned anything over the last five days, and look, there's there's a lot of things that maybe we think we learned, we didn't learn them. If you're looking at, eh, maybe Colin Morikawa can't really play that well at TPC Sawgrass, he missed the cut. No, I, I'm still not buying it. He was on the wrong side of the draw. It was a weird week. I'm not taking a whole lot of, uh, I'm not putting a whole lot of status into what happened uh, over the last five days. That said, the one thing I think we can take from it is, Cameron Smith plays with a little chip on his shoulder, and he plays with some some big onions. Let's put it that way, John. This guy is not afraid of anything, including going right at the stick. And he said he pushed it a little bit, but that shot on 17, that was Ricky-esque. That was Sergio-esque. Some of the winners that we've seen at TBC Sawgrass over the years to go just right of that, uh, that stick. I, I don't think I saw a ball all day go right of the stick and still land on the green, not go in the water. But Cameron Smith... Um, with a very gutsy play there. Maybe more gutsy than he would have liked, but if we learn anything, it's that Cameron Smith shows up for some big events. Okay, now now looking at the Valspar, defending champ Sam Burns, who was in the mix yesterday, who obviously fell apart a little bit. You know, I'm interested in how to logically think about this. You know, in football, we obviously factor in when a team is playing like Sunday morning and they're coming off a Monday night game. In in the NBA, you talk about back-to-backs. Usually in golf, the, the schedule is Sunday and then you play some practice rounds and you start again Thursday. This is a little weird. So when I look at guys like Tommy Fleetwood or Hatton or DJ, how much do you factor in these guys that played on Monday a lot of golf that then are teeing it up here in you know less than 72 hours? I think you have to factor it in. I think you factor in, especially for the guys that were in the mix, all the physical and mental energy necessary to contend for a title and put that into an event and then turn around two days later and start playing again. I think that's really difficult for these guys. And so if a player finished in 53rd place last week and wasn't really in the mix, okay, he's playing golf on a Monday, but maybe it's not the kind of taxing golf that is going to really uh, affect him and impact him this week in Tampa. But for players who are up there in the mix, like Keegan Bradley, who finished in fifth place, or uh, Harold Varner is going to play again this week. Uh, Victor Hovland, who you mentioned, he finished top 10. For those players that were in the mix and they were expending that physical, mental energy that were going through uh, trying to contend for that title this past week, I think those guys have got to be absolutely wiped going into the Valspar. And maybe by the weekend, if you hang on, you play some decent golf Thursday, Friday, by the weekend, you've kind of caught up on your sleep. You've kind of figured out your energy a little bit. But uh, I think it's going to affect them going into this thing, certainly. Well, I got a name for you at the top of the board that's 
you know, I, I wouldn't have brought this up, but he shot the sneakiest 63 you've ever seen on Monday. He yeah. went from making about 50 grand to making 500. I think DJ, I did the math last night, Monday night. I think he made $475,000 on, on Sunday. So you talk about a guy who has not been playing, who is now he might not be well rested because his family likes to jet set and party all over the place. But in terms of golf, uh, I, I looked at it as a little momentum, like a guy that just naturally just needs to get his groove going. Fifteen to one, like you said, I don't love a lot. You know the Hovlands, even the Morikawa's. Like this is kind of a weird week, but him just that, that get that ball rolling. What about DJ fifteen to one here this week? John, I tweeted about him earlier today, and I think the way you look at DJ right now tells you maybe more about yourself than about Dustin himself. And, and the reason I say that is because. Over his last 14 starts, dating back to last summer, Dustin Johnson doesn't have a single top five. And I think you look at that that stat alone, you say, boy, DJ, former number one player in the world, he's one of the best out there, no top fives, he's really struggling with his game. And then you look at it a little closer and you say, oh, of those 14 events, half of them, seven, have been top tens. And you say, wow, he's playing really well, he's contending on a regular basis, that's great. And then you look even further and you say, 10 of those 14 have been top 25s. You say, boy, it's been really consistent. Okay, I like that for <laughs> for certain bets, you know, whether it's a, a top 20 type bet, whether it's a DFS play, maybe then you install DJ in there because you really like that consistency. So again, I, I think it just depends on sort of how we look at things and how we frame the results because uh, we can certainly look at it from a pers- perspective of DJ has not played his best golf over the last six, eight, ten months, but we could also look at it very similarly using the same results as, yeah, you know what? The floor is really high. We all know the ceiling is high. At some point, he's going to hit that ceiling, and maybe it's this week coming off that 63 on Monday. Well, the the guy you picked in your article, you can find him on at, at Jason Sobel, I-T-A-N. He tweets it out every week and uh, spoke to my heart. Because I rode this guy on the Florida swing, and he played really, really well. And if it wasn't for a a double bogey finish at the Arnold Palmer, I mean, he was in the lead after hole 16, right, with two holes left. And then obviously that par three ruined him. But Gary Woodland, a guy who's got his mojo back, uh, and I'm pretty sure he was just on the wrong side of the draw, so he got bounced because he yeah. played pretty well when he first went out, I think, on Thursday. I love Gary Woodland, 70-1. to 1. This value... I would hammer this. I would hammer him top five and maybe top 10 as well. Uh, Tell me why you like Gary Woodland. Yeah, so a few reasons and a couple you mentioned right there, John. The fact that he missed the cut last week. I know we don't usually chase players who are coming off a missed cut, but I don't mind it in this circumstance. He's going to be a little more well-rested than some of those players we mentioned earlier who were playing through late Monday afternoon. And so you're right, he was on the wrong side of the draw. Doesn't usually play well at the players anyway, but the two previous weeks... He was T5 at both the Honda and the API. Like you mentioned, had a great chance at the API. So he's playing well. He's a guy that's got some win equity too. It's not like we're taking a guy saying, well, he's played pretty well lately and he's been close, but he can't get it done. We know that Gary Woodland can go out and beat a really good field of elite level golfers. And so I love the number on him. And essentially, John, this week, I'm going number hunting. Uh, For me, I'm fading the top of the board. I don't know what to expect from Morikawa or Hovland or even JT or DJ. And so I'm fading those guys and I'm dipping a little bit lower. And let me just go hunt for some good numbers, guys that have some win equity, have some value out there. And those are the guys I'm going to play this week. And that starts with Gary Woodland, like you said. Give me another name beside Woodland that you like in that range. Okay. Uh, These guys, I'll give you three names, actually. These guys, uh, I think, are all just a little bit longer than Woodland. But again, uh, guys who have won before on the PGA Tour, guys who wouldn't shock you if they go out and win. Lonto Griffin, who I believe is 90 to 1 in most books this week. He's a guy that is a really good ball striker. We've seen him compete and contend in some big fields recently. There's a little corollary to Riviera where he's played well in the past. All conf- I don't even know what day this is. So uh, whatever day that was, it was really Jonathan Vegas. A lot of people were on him last week. He was in the top 10, put two balls in the water on 17, and like in the blink of an eye, missed the cut. 
It was a really weird end to his round on whatever day that was. I, I can't, my days are weird end, but uh, didn't play bad golf other than for about a half hour span. And so I do like Jonathan Vegas again. And then I'm just going with, this is sort of like the NFL draft where a team says, you know what? We're pretty good already. I'm going to take the best player available. And this is a guy that I'm going to take a lot as long as the numbers. Uh, remaining long because I I like his game. He's not playing great right now, but Aaron Wise is going to go out and contend for some titles. I think he wins at some point this season. And so, like I said, as long as he's got a big number next to his name in a field like this, I don't mind taking a chance. One more name for you. He actually showed some form last week and was right in the mix. And In your article, you had him as a first-round leader, but just a guy, it's weird when you say he's got win equity because he doesn't win very often, but he definitely has the game to win when he's on as Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, is that a guy, you know, if he rounds into form that you could find some value before he shoots back up? Because I saw him at 46 to 1 on FanDuel, Sobel, and that's this is a guy that when he's playing well, you can cut that number in half, right? Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't seen a number that big. So yeah, if you can get that, I I don't mind jumping on that. The reason I listed him for first round leader in my preview this week and what I do in my preview for those who haven't seen it, I'm essentially trying to uh, cater to everybody out there. If you like outright plays, I'll give you it outright. If you like uh, prop plays, I'll give you a bunch of props. If you want guys for DFS, I give you that. First round leader is a play that a lot of people like to do. Tommy Fleetwood's game really struggled during COVID. And I I don't think that was just a coincidence. I do think that some players just felt like, hey, golf might not be that important during a global pandemic. And I think Tommy was at the forefront of that and just didn't feel feel right, didn't feel comfortable playing golf during the pandemic. He's finally coming out of it, starting to play some good golf. I, I still think he's a little bit away from playing his best golf, but I do stepping stones. Those building blocks towards success are starting to happen right now. So I like him for around here and there. You know, I don't know that he's got four really good ones in him in a row, although at 46 to one, I might take a chance that that could happen. But I do like him for a first round leader, some DFS showdown plays. I think he's got a lot of value there. Awesome. We, we are we are not very far away from Augusta. So I, I just, every once in a while, just an Augusta thought flies into my head and I think, oh, Victor Hovland. Yeah. Justin yep. Thomas, who I, I, Justin Thomas, I already have a Hovland future bet, but Bones is on the bag, the clinic he put it on, on Saturday, and actually I know he finished minus three, he tripled 17 yesterday, I would imagine he was trying to go finish birdie birdie, it's not like the money matters right. to him, he easily could have been, you know, top 15 in that tournament, to me Justin Thomas is a guy that I think he's going to be a factor for the first because he hasn't played for well in majors in a while. And I, I, I think Augusta, he's going to bring it with bones. I'm giving you nothing you don't know, nothing nobody else knows. But I, I came into the year with kind of back of my head. Patrick Cantley is the guy that I'm favoring. Hasn't played great over his last couple of starts. So I, I don't know if I'm, I'm looking elsewhere yet. I like Colin Morikawa a lot. Like I said, I'm putting no stock in his miscut last week. And then the other name, as you just said, Justin Thomas. Uh, It's hard not to like him. It's a second shot golf course. Uh, Those three names I mentioned are three of the absolute best when it comes to hitting approach shots into the greens. And so uh, those are those are where I'll start a lot of the plays, although those are three of the shortest plays out there. So we got to find some some long shots over the next three weeks that we like to fire at Augusta. I'll tell you this, the big Spaniard from Scottsdale, you know, he is he's on the verge of snapping Ooh. some clubs and throwing a putter at a human because John, my guy, Johnny Rahm, I mean, that putter is a, is a problem. I, I'll admit it. Watching him, he's it's not good. I mean, not not for a guy that's as good as All him. I can tell you about John Rahm and I feel this way about JT as well. That there are a lot of players out there. Uh, look, golf's not a game where you can get mad and you start getting better. You get mad, you start swinging harder, you start gripping the club really no. tight. We all know this from playing, and, and we start. It's going, like ba- it's like baseball. Yeah. It, it's it's a calm game. Yeah, you, you can't know? you can't start. You know, really just getting in. The, all right, let me. You know, it's not football. You can't go out and all right. I'm a linebacker. I missed a couple of tackles. I'm gonna go smoke this guy and knock him backwards. It doesn't really work that way in golf. That said. I think JT and Rom are two of the guys who, when they get mad, they have a chance of going out there and playing even better. They like kind of having their back up against the wall a little bit and and playing with some fire. So uh, I know we've seen from Rom. I completely agree with you. He's frustrated right now, but maybe he channels that into something big coming up in the not too distant future. 
Okay, so we'll ha- have a good week. Uh, enjoy the fam, and uh, let's get ready for some golf this weekend. It's right around the corner. Sounds great. Let's go, Gary Woodland. Let's go, baby. Okay, let's get to the Middlecoff mailbag on the Go Low Pod. Just go to at Go Low Pod. It's the Instagram. Fire in the DMs like my guy Thomas did. Love the golf pod. Nice change of pace away from football. But someone has to say it. Okay, he's gonna about to go in. To say it about the players this past weekend. The cream did not rise. What are some tips you have for someone new betting on golf? You know, I, I think that's a little bit of a one-off weekend. They had a crazy rainstorm. The draws really impacted for the group that had to play in the crazy wind on Saturday. And it clearly wiped out the Kepkas, the the Jordan Spees. I mean, it destroyed people. Now, Justin Thomas figured it out. Bubba figured it out. But I, I think the key to gambling on golf at first is just bet some top 10s and top 20s. And if, you know, I follow the sport very, very closely. And I'll do research on guys' history at certain courses. So if you're not going to spend time, just take a couple guys you like and bet them to top 10. And it keeps you interested. Or like this week, you know, at the Valspar, you could take a hundred bucks and place four or five, four $25 bets or four $20 bets and bet it on guys like Gary Woodland, Lanto Griffin, uh, you know, Joel Damon, just some guys with super long odds, 70 to one, 80 to one, a hundred to one. And just if one guy is in the mix, you know, you have a chance to win, I don't know, two grand. That I, I would rec- a week like this, I would do something like that. Now, come the big tournaments, the majors, you know, maybe pick a horse and just bet on the horse. But I think different tournaments, everyone's dramatically different. Typically, the players, I think non-weather, the best players would have been in the mix. At the majors, you're going to get the big dogs. Cam Smith saw his mom for the first time in two years playing near his Florida home, big motivation as a golf better. Who is your Adam Schefter or go-to source for breaking news? Further, is that not one of the most grueling jobs you can think of? Phone glued to your ear, no days off, especially in the NFL. Any source could simply be wrong and ruin a reputation. I agree. I guess, you know, I follow some of the Golf Channel guys like Eamon Lynch, uh, Justin Ray, Dylan something. I follow like three or four guys that either work for Golf Channel or Golf Digest. It, it Golf's a little different that way because there's not like a GM to hit up. So if the player doesn't want the info out, the info ain't getting out. I, you know, typically breaking news, it just happens, right? Like, I'm just going to use a random one. Jordan Spieth withdraws from a tournament, right? Like if the 49ers cut Jimmy Garoppolo, like Adam Schefter is going to break that. If Dustin Johnson withdraws from the tournament... It'll just be like, you know, the tournament will will tweet out Dustin Johnson withdraws. So I, I'd say the breaking news game in golf is way easier than like basketball or football or baseball. Hey, John, question for the pod. How much golf YouTube content do you consume? Channels like Rick Shields, Good Good, or even Long Drive. Long Drive channels like Kyle Berkshire. I follow Kyle Berkshire on Instagram. He's a good Instagram follow just because he hits absolute seeds and he'll hit play like a par five, 600 yards, and it'll be like driver sandwich, two putt birdie. Uh, I don't watch that much YouTube golf unless I stumble in on it. Bob does sports. He's pretty funny. He did something where he like did a Jaeger bomb, a hole, a beer, a hole, stuff like that. I do a lot of looser stuff or I watch like serious training videos like how Jason Day plays bunker shots how Tiger Woods plays high cuts right how Rory McIlroy his philosophy on driving golf balls like it, it'd be like if you were a coach and in Kyle Shanahan like Kyle Shanahan on running the outside zone Bill Belichick on outside blitzes Andy Reid on the screen game you know, that, that doesn't exist, really. But in golf, it does. The best part about golf is their best players can articulate how to play the sport. And unlike basketball, like if Jerry West or Larry Bird described to you how to shoot a basketball, it might not matter. 
But if Phil Mickelson gives you a couple tips on how to hit a chip, keep it on the back of your stance, keep the weight forward, keep your hands forward, don't break your wrists, you can institute that in your golf game and it can improve. Like in in regular sports, like if Aaron Donald's telling you how to take on a double team, it might not matter, right? If you're a high school defensive tackle, you know, you might get your ass run over no matter what. Okay, Aaron, what's up, John? I just picked up golf two years ago, but I've been watching golf on TV for about six years. Haven't really paid attention this much, but why on some courses do they play the back nine first? Is there a specific reason or just because? Well, when you get weather delays or you have time constraints, they do it that way. So like this weekend, they did it because of weather. Normally, you would not have to do it, right? You just play the front nine. Everyone goes off at a different time. But typically, early on in the week, depending on how many guys are in the field, you got to get everyone. Obviously, starting a weekend, once you make a cut, everyone can go off hole one. But it has to do with timing, and it has to do with the field. And there might be even more specific uh, language behind that if I had like someone involved in a tournament would describe it. But it, it always happens when you have weather delays because you have to finish. And, you know, the like major tournaments try to avoid that at all costs. It, it, it typically happens the first couple days at random tournaments. It's a good question. Been watching more golf this year than ever before and also betting. Something that I'm curious about is traps and rough. As a viewer, I hear the commentary talk about the course and how it's playing, but most of these pros don't play as there are hazards out there at all. I know when I play golf, they tend to be on my mind and often more than that. Can you talk about the perspective of tour players and yourself as a golfer? I would say bunkers around the green and certain bunkers, I would say bunkers around the green, depending on the course, the rough around the green and the slopes around the green is viewed as a good thing for great players. They go, I want to be in that bunker. Because I'm going to get up and down 90% of the time. Where, you know, even myself, like I try to avoid bunkers. Now, I think they try to avoid bunkers off the tee because you would rather have 160 in off the fairway than 160 out of a bunker. I think the rough is very dependent on the course. If you're playing the U.S. Open, you know, or the Arnold Palmer a couple weeks ago, and even at the players, the rough got long. If you're playing rough that's 5 inches, 6 inches, 7 inches, you want to avoid like the plague because you're just going to have to chip out. If you're playing a tournament where the rough is just a little bit longer than the fringe, you know, who cares about a 180-yard shot? Might be fly out of there a little bit, but those guys don't care. Bryson won the U.S. Open playing it out of the rough. You know, so I, I, I think it just depends on the course setup. Now, bunkers in the British Open, when they're those huge pot bunkers and you don't have a legit shot, you want to avoid but a lot of these guys feel very, very comfortable in the bunker, especially around the greens, because they can spin the ball and stop the ball, where I would say most golfers do not. But the rough, it's just dependent on how long the rough is. If the rough's not long, they are not scared of going in the rough. If the rough is long, then it just depends how long you are of a hitter. Because if it's a 400-yard hole, and even if the rough's long, well, if I hit it 340, I can have 60 yards in with a lob wedge. But if I hit it 270 yards, I don't want 130 yards in out of deep-ass rough, right? I want to hit the fairway. So it just, it's very, very dependent on the course. I think I think bunkers off the tee, guys do try to avoid. We've never think about this, but this shows the absolute manpower and money put into these courses. This team has got 110% for the tournament. It's just a picture of the guys with like mops and and shovels getting all the water out. The grounds crew at the players did the most remarkable job I've ever seen a grounds crew do. That that was very, very impressive. Question for the mailbag. Do you think college golf should be showcased more increased notoriety for younger players? They do televise some season college events, but even then I don't think they air enough events for people to get to know the players before they reach the PGA Tour. For example... I played D1 golf at Arizona and played tournaments against guys like Scotty Scheffler and Sahith Tagala. Both of these guys were top five college golfers, yet no one knew who they were until they get in the hunt of a PGA Tour event. Also, I was listening to your three and out mailbag and you were talking about book recommendations and there was a book called A Course Called America by Tom Coyne. It's about Tom Coyne's journey going to all 50 states and playing golf courses all over the country. 
He has great stories in the history of golf. I might have to order this book as an audiobook. Uh, I, I think it has more to do with, you know, the golf channel would have to pick it up. So if the golf channel's not willing to pick it up, no one else is going to play it. But I hear you. You know, I mean, I'd watch, but I, I don't know if the market is that huge for college golf. Now, would it help Hovland, Morikawa, Scheffler? I think the PGA Tour would say, well, they get out here, they become so good so fast, who even cares? Right? Most guys are not going to be Tiger or Jordan Spieth. They're going to get here, then they're going to become stars. College baseball is a lot like that. You know, like you you didn't know who, you know, Brandon Crawford was or, you know, whoever Clayton Kershaw was before they get to the big leagues. For the most part, unless you're a diehard college baseball guy. Former SC pitcher turned degenerate gambler, golfer, fantasy football enthusiast. My type guy. I've got one heck of a mean hairline. Wanted to see if you have a short, you have a soft spot for a particular bald, balding golfers. Your humor resonates. I'm a 916 from Sacramento. I love a good balding golfer. I got this question yesterday and I answered it manually and I'll end on this. I was watching the Tiger Hall of Fame induction last night. So that was last week ago, basically a week ago. And thought the thought that continued to go through my mind is, what a missed opportunity that was for golf and the PGA Tour. Tiger's a rock star. Do you agree that golf should have had his Hall of Fame induction in an NFL or Major League Baseball Hall of Fame type environment with a big crowd of fans? It would have been a more appropriate, I think, to hear a Tiger roar than Sam brought out. Thoughts? I think historically the Golf Hall of Fame is irrelevant because, listen, like Ernie Els or Jim Furyk or a guy like that goes in, most people don't really care. So they could do it like they did it in the small room. I think it was maybe across from the players or you know somewhere right by the Players' Championship in Florida. But I'm with you on Tiger Woods. Golf should have made a really, really, really big deal out of him. They should have, they should have pumped that thing for months. His daughter introduced him. He gave one of the most powerful speeches I've ever heard because it humanized him. And I had this thought last week. Tiger has become more human with age, a lot like Kobe Bryant. Because when Tiger and Kobe were like 20, 21-year-old pros, they were actually wired more like they were in their late 30s. Very serious, no bullshit, took every game, every shot like it was life or death. That's not very relatable to other people your age. Yet as they got older, they actually relaxed a lot. And I think kids did that. And Kobe, like Tiger, One thing that is easily the most relatable, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you come from any country, I think most humans can can relate to the fact we love our parents and we love our kids. And when you are outwardly emotional about those two things, you will resonate with 99.9% of people, whether they're in India or whether they're in Alabama Canada to Dominican Republic, it doesn't matter. If you show affection and are moved by your parents and your children, every human can relate to that, beside Aaron Rodgers. So Tiger, when he was getting emotional up there about his parents, and listen, a lot of players on the PGA Tour come from a country club background. Tiger did not grow up with money. And the emotion that he showed over what his parents did for him taking out the second mortgage, driving him around, and ultimately what it became. Because let's face it, a lot of parents do that stuff for their kids. 99.999% of them never become anything, let alone Tiger Woods. He is the outlier. It worked. And it all worked because of his parents. And then, I think his kids have really, really humanized him and lightened him up. And it's fucking awesome to see watching Tiger get emotional, watching Tiger take pride in his kids. I, I still think one of the coolest things I've ever watched is the last couple of years, the tiger, the son, the father-son thing with Charlie Woods. I mean, that it doesn't... As, as Tiger Woods, who's probably... Him and Michael are my favorite athletes ever. doesn't get any cooler than that. I played golf with my dad when I was a young kid. We used to, like, sometimes in the summer, have this thing called champ of the day. And whoever, you know, won the first hole would be champ. And he used to beat me a lot until I started kicking his ass. 
So it's just, it's, it's, I think a lot of people can relate to doing stuff with their kids, whether it's playing catch, whether it's shooting baskets, whether it's playing golf, playing tennis, whatever you do, run, race, physically, I don't know. And uh, I, I think that's been the coolest part of Tiger because we all witness like his greatness is unmatched, unparalleled, right? But his, but being a human was something that he struggled with, at least being relatable as a human. I actually think a lot of people that hung out with him said he could be pretty normal. He feels very, very just comfortable in his own skin. I, I think children really helped him out. And I, I was emotionally moved watching him talk because any person that, listen, you can say what you want about Earl or whatever, but, you know, can you imagine the power? Like, and I hope I do this to my own children of, you know, really believing in your kids. <laughs> I mean, there's an unhealthy naivete, just you almost got to be ignorant. Like this might not work, but you just you just feed them self-confidence. And I mean, there's a balance to it, but it, it worked for old Eldrick Tiger Woods and his parents, you know, raised because they raised the greatest golfer we've ever seen. I have, you know, I know Jack's more accomplished major wise, but Tiger was better. He, he just was. Uh, and that it's more people should have watched that speech because fight easy or what was it? Fight easy, train, fight hard, train easy. Is that it? Train, train hard, fight easy. I even forget his, his, uh, whatever Earl used to say to him. And now Sam says that's to me, that's very relatable, right? You all, as you age, kind of become your parents in, in a weird way, or at least, you know, hopefully the best parts of them that you can then translate to your own children and they become the best parts of you and it just keeps, you know, growing. Uh, so yeah, go low pod, subscribe to the pod, slide up in those DMs. Peace. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.